Okay, I brought vegetables, some tobacco. Expensive, I might add. Tobacco has gotten very expensive. Yeah, I they, mean, they're, it's glad like, I it's quit the smoking health. is all I can um, say. Hi there, welcome to my podcast. Hi and welcome. Yeah, here we are again. <laughs> Hi, my name is Nancy Howard, and this is my number one. A show where I ask my friends what their number one healing modality is, and then I go try it. <laughs> you know what's going to be horrible is our voices are kind of similar. The same. People are going to be like, who is talking Should right now? Should we just now? start Allison here before you speak? <laughs> yes. This is my friend Allison Dunbar, who you may remember from past episodes. She's an animal lover, a burlesque dancer, a member of the Groundlings, and an actress. So if Lana Turner had a baby with Lucille Ball and Lenny Bruce, that would be Allison. God, I got divorced back in, I don't even remember what year it was, but I know that I took my engagement ring and sold it and I used some of the money to take a guy to Mexico. And that is Allison in a nutshell. Mm. And what guy? Just any guy? This guy, <laughs> his name was Dave. How long had you been dating? Um, maybe a month. Wow. You know, I was pretty downtrodden after my divorce. Like, my husband had cheated. It was just one of those awful things where I just felt like... So I was kind of reclaiming power, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, going on this trip. I'm taking a guy. And once again, another divorce has created an awesome number one healing experience for me. So I'm trying to, like... Stella get her in her groove back, you know, with this guy and all cool, like our first vacay. So it's kind of that like nervous energy and the first time you're traveling with someone and we check into this resort and the woman who checked us into our room, she's asking us a question and she's saying, I remember the word I'm pretty sure was Tamascal, Tamascal. So like tequila, Tamascal. Isn't that like a tequila? Yeah, that is a tequila. Okay, it's a similar word to that. It might be not be temezcal. Uh, okay, it's some, something like that. And she was right. A temezcal is a type of sweat lodge which was originated with pre-Hispanic indigenous peoples in Mesoamerica. Next thing you know, we have arrived at this huge, it looked like an oversized tent. The woman pulled up a flap. She just kind of gestured inside and then the flap closed and she was gone. And I had never done anything like this. I was not spiritual at all, like no yoga, no drinking tea, nothing. So Allison was basically hijacked into getting a healing. It's hot as fuck. Am I allowed to say that on here? Of course. Okay. It's so hot and I don't do well with heat. There's all these people, all these other suckers, I'm assuming who probably just wanted to start their vacation and they're on this thing. Just all these couples were all around a fire and there's a shaman. There's like a Mayan shaman sitting and he's, you know, just, I don't know what he's saying. I couldn't understand a word of what we did, but I sat down and you know, the comedian in me is like already laughing like this is ridiculous and I'm I'm in like I'm yeah. fully on board because I'm like this is so stupid what is happening yeah my hair that I had blown out that morning for is done warning don't go to a sweat lodge right after you've had a blowout and it starts and this guy just starts chanting and at first like I said I mean I can't even make I can't make funny eyes with Dave because you can't see the eyes of the person next to you. you can just maybe detect where their shapes are yes so right away I'm like I'm fucking around like I would dip my bowl into the water and try and fling it at Dave mm -hmm. like I'm just you know because no one can see me so I'm not being outwardly disrespectful to the guy like yeah no one can see what's happening and thus the age-old question 
If a comedian makes a visual joke in the dark, is it really a joke? And then, you know, he's passing around trays of mud that you're like, you mush on your face, yeah. and he's chanting, and it goes on and on and on and on, and I'm sweating so bad, like sweating off my spray tan. <laughs> Another warning, don't go to a sweat lodge right after you've had a spray tan. I don't know when it changed, but at a certain point, something in me switched, and I'm listening to his voice. Like, there's nothing else you can do because you can't see anyone, so I've just, like, I guess gave up. I surrendered. Yeah. I don't know how to put it into words, but I felt this, like, epiphany about my divorce and, like, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm here, and look at this fucking crazy moment, and I'm with a bunch of strangers, and they're chanting, and now we're chanting. I don't know what I'm chanting, but it's vibration, and it's group energy, mm -hmm. and I'm crying, and I can hear other people crying, and all of a sudden, he's, like, doing some chants, and he douses out the fire. And then he opens up the flap and the guy runs to the ocean. So we all just run behind him yeah. and we all dive in the ocean. And by now the moon is way up high and we're all in the ocean just washing off the mud. So and it's nighttime. Yeah, it's dark oh. by the time we come out of there. Yeah. With the moon in the sky, yeah. dive in the ocean. I don't know. It kind of blew my mind and it kind of changed everything like in terms of how I felt. Now this was my kind of number one. A road trip to Tulum with Allison and then a sweat lodge? Yes, please. But right after I finished interviewing Allison, she got cast in a show that films in Puerto Rico for three months and our road trip idea went out the window. So I did a lot of research to try to find a legit sweat lodge in Los Angeles that might be able to get close to the experience that she had. I've been to quite a few lodges in different parts of LA County and even some down in San Diego County and this is by far the most kind of established um, sweat lodge community that I've been connected to. It's been kind of my home, sweat lodge home. This is Chris Henriksen. He's a writer, a teacher, and he spent years learning from shamanic healers and studying different spiritual practices in order to help the community that he works with. He also happens to be one of my oldest friends here in Los Angeles. I moved here from New York City as a starving actor and he gave me my first job. Yes, Nancy, I reached out to you because I needed someone else who was crazy enough to go spend four days a week with severely emotionally disturbed teenagers in a placement facility. Chris and I taught poetry, music, and improv at this place, which was kind of a lockdown school facility. And the experience was somewhere between Dangerous Minds meets One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest meets Waiting for Guffman. In the first year, we decided to put on a play for a local school, and it was legendary. Was, I just remember there was a banana <laughs> and a mime. Wasn't there like a poem about killing and I mean like... Yeah, well that's why we made it. Once we realized how disturbed the, the work that these kids were producing, <laughs> we made it a, a, a farce, a comedy, because that was the only way we could present the material <laughs> without people being, <laughs> being alarmed. <laughs> but I digress. 
After working with me, Chris went on to change a lot of lives and continued to run DreamYard LA, now known as Street Poets, for 20 years. In fact, he just retired. So I thought he would be the perfect person to bring me to a real sweat lodge. The Hummingbird Lodge, where we're going, is a very welcoming community. It is, if people are respectful and sincere in their own kind of spiritual, you know, intent, then they're welcome. It, it, that was really why I first started going to this community, because I was looking for places to take a lot of these young men, mostly former gang members I was working with, um, into, you know, sacred spaces where they could kind of explore their own spirit and unload and unpack and reflect on their own journey in a deeper way. And to me, the Sweat Lodge is one of the most, you know, powerful and magical and humbling um, spiritual practices there is. And then I said one thing that kind of unraveled the entire trip. I'm not trying to start a fight, Chris. And we're only just starting today. I think it all started when I asked Chris if it was weird that we were going to do a Native American ritual because we were white. I'm not, I don't even like the phrase, I don't even like the, the term white people because it doesn't... It's, you're like, you're like jumping out of your skin yeah. right now. <laughs> like the word white people has flipped you out. It's a, it was invented about 500 it's years ago w to justify word. a lot of fucked up behavior. As a person with German roots, I'm always the first to tell people that my ancestors came over before World War II. I get it. It, it would suck to find out that your family were Nazis or were the big, were slave Way owners in the country, yeah. you know. But as my friend Angela points out, that then puts you into the possible slave owner category. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm just, you're, it's a really valid issue to raise, but then this episode's gonna have to be, 10 hours long. Well, you know, you, you, you've you heard my episodes. There'll be like one sentence of that's, this. That's what concerns me. When I first started this podcast, I was more of a biohacker. I didn't think that I would be knee deep with my ancestors' guilt. And I certainly didn't take into account the idea that I might be stealing healing modalities from other cultures. You know, my ancestors worked overtime to wipe this practice from the face of the earth. You shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, right. It's, I would say, you know what, this is what's hard, is the, the there has been, obviously, in the last several years, a much broader discussion about co-opting culture. I can trace um, one side of my family back to the Mayflower. People who came over on the Mayflower would have died that first winter if it wasn't for the generosity of um, the Native peoples who met them. It means we'd all rather have been, you know, somebody, Frederick, Frederick Douglass's right child or Quakers or, or heroes or something, but we don't, obviously we don't get to pick that. And I think that it would be really empowering for us all to do, to be able to look at our history and not do this weird thing where we are in denial about it. And then right. like, and we lie about it. It's intense. Yeah. And it's, in, and I'm very aware of that. And I, when I go into a sweat lodge, I'm, I'm aware that I'm walking in there with my ancestors, you know, and that we're all benefiting. When you go into a sweat lodge, you're bringing all of your ancestors in with you. No, that's I'm sorry, that is Right? I'm like, oh yeah, my ancestors and your ancestors probably have some things to work out. <laughs> and the idea is that you're not just healing yourself, but you're healing many generations back. 
the sweat lodge is one of the the practices that really opened me up in this way was that I started to connect to my own ancestral lineage and started to realize that my my healing was connected to a level of cultural and ancestral healing that also needed to take place. I couldn't get this idea of the victims and the perpetrators all stuck together in one room out of my head. It reminded me a little bit of the place where Chris and I used to teach at, where they took these teenagers who were right out of detention and some of them were the victims of crimes and some of them were the perpetrators of crimes, but they were all in there under one umbrella, which was at risk or mentally ill. There's a history of the medicine people were rounded up basically and put in mental hospitals because they were, they were written off as you know crazy. It was a way of kind of controlling the medicine people, but also labeling them in a way that was, you know, obviously incredibly ignorant and evil. You know? Yeah, yeah. So that's like that. Those are the roots that I come from, um, and a lot of white people in this country, in one way or another, come from. Um, so, needless to say, when I enter into a, a, a spiritual community like the one we're going into, and into these sweat lodges, I do it with a lot of humility. Yeah. And a lot of gratitude because. For, it's, it's kind of in some ways astonishing that someone like me would ever be welcome uh, on a reservation or in a sweat lodge ceremony. I felt like that person who takes a tab of acid and then suddenly has second thoughts. But there's no turning back now. I just remembered something that I brought, that I forgot. What did you forget? A towel. Not every sweat lodge is the same, obviously. And the one we were going to required us to bring tobacco as an offering to the fire keepers. Don't be scared. Okay. You know? I mean, <laughs> that's easier said than, but, but like, it's not, I mean, it's okay to have a little apprehension about, okay, this is gonna be hot and that kind of thing, but it's, it's really is one of the safest places um, you could go. We drove on for about an hour and a half and seemingly out of nowhere, we stopped on the side of a two lane road near an entrance to an avocado plantation. Uh, it's like returning to your mother's womb. And we walked in to find two small huts facing each other with a bonfire in the middle filled with huge rocks. There's prayer happening throughout. So you're gonna be, there's song, song, one song after okay. another song, after another song, after another song. The frame of the huts was made from willows harvested from a riverbank, Chris said, with blankets thrown on top of them to keep the heat in. Uh, what's important about when you sort of, with any sweat lodge, is like who's running it is, and what the kind of lineage of the lodge and the community and how they hold that space is really important. There were two fire keepers who kept the fire high and used shovels to carry the large rocks into the huts between sessions. I could feel my anxiety rising. I think in our culture, people get a little too binary and dualistic about it, like the you know good and evil, light and dark, and, and thinking and, and putting judgment on the darkness. And, and I don't, I, I found in my own practice and work, I like to think of it more like love and fear, you know? From my last discussions with healer Joy Carroll, I realized that I have the tendency to pick up other people's stuff when I'm around them and I started to worry that this would be the case here. If you have any kind of fear or concern about being in there, what other people are unloading or mm -hmm. you know, 
um, really focus your breathing on your heart, you know, and on, on like breathing light and love into your heart. There were at least 30 to 40 people there, and immediately I wondered how we would all fit. You will probably hit a point in the lodge where you're like, I can't, it's too hot, I can't do this, you know? <laughs> like, that's kind of normal. Chris said I should set an intention before going in. Some character defect I want to leave behind or something I want to attract into my life, like love or abundance. On, on top of that, you're, you're actually in a place that has been, is sanctified with with prayers. They divided the men and the women into opposite sides. And really thinking about what it is you want to leave there is, is, is a good idea. And as I stood outside the tent in the women's group, totally in my head with a long list of intentions and trying to whittle them down, I saw this young, frail woman with a shaved head who looked like maybe she had just gotten out of chemo. And her friend asked me if I would help guide her in because she couldn't see without her glasses. And I said hello, and I went from my own self-obsession to being concerned about how she would fare in this heat. To me, for me, it's, it's just about, like, the spiritual journey is about becoming who you are. Mm -hmm. Maybe another way of thinking about it is how, how to remember who you are. And the minute that I started to direct my attention towards her, the entire experience changed for me. I wanted to help get her through this, and suddenly I didn't feel any pain or discomfort or fear. I would think that part of this philosophy would be ultimately you'd want everyone to heal. But she didn't need my help. She sat down next to me, and she barely moved for three hours. I kept checking in, and she would always say, I'm fine. My heart, that kind of resonated with like, yeah, that's what I'm seeing, and I want to know how you how to help this person that I'm open to on a heart level that I know needs help. The ceremony had four rounds of prayers with small breaks in between where they pulled back the blankets and let in the cool air. And as soon as the chanting began, I felt completely swept away. I, and I do think it's, it's, like I said, I think there's a need for more, for bridge builders that can kind of show people and can explore how these different traditions connect to each other. I sang at the top of my lungs. I didn't know what I was singing, but I just kept on singing and I was euphoric. If you don't share, your whole culture gets, it'll be go away. It'll go away. And I was sad when each round ended because I wanted to just keep on going. I kept checking in with my new friend and I could tell she felt the same way. We were both completely content. And we're gonna see more and more how all of these traditions are sourcing from the same place and support each other. I was surprised when we got to the last round and I realized it was over. In the first part, I got into such a deep meditation and such a deep like, oh, I love this. You that just I, to stay in I it. just wanted to stay in it and let it build and build and build. Yeah. But there were long breaks in between, like surprisingly long to me. Yeah, I had an amazing time. But while I was having that time, Chris was on the other side, muscled between a lot, a lot of sweaty men. So I was wedged between the front row and the back row. <clears throat> luckily, luckily, familiar people though. When you came out, sort of you were like a ball of dirt. Yeah. 
and like the women side, we were like in each other's arms and not, there there was no dirt. (laughs) I had this realization actually, I was like, oh my God, I'm so fucking uncomfortable. And then I had this thought, this got super heavy actually. And just like a tab of acid, one person can be having the time of their life and the other person is in their own prison. I'm thinking about what it would have been like to be in the, in the hull of a slave ship in the dark, wedged in like that, awful, and having no fucking clue if you're when if you're going to survive a, b where you're going, if you'll ever get there, what the you know like I mean it's staggering. This is why I love these experiences. You never know what you're going to get, but you know you're going to go on a journey and uncover some truths and deal with some buried trauma and in this case find myself by putting all my energy on helping someone else that's really what kind of got me on a spiritual journey because I, I was dealing with all these really deeply wounded young people and while my experience in there was complete bliss and wonder right after I got one of the worst colds of my life So, the healing thing got me again. Chris says it was me cleaning out all the residual shit that was lodged in there. All I know is, I'm addicted to this stuff. So, thank you, Allison, for a great story, as always, and an awesome healing experience. And so, I I found it really spiritual, and I always think that's so funny, because it was... Such an accident. Thank you, Angela V. Shelton, for all your sage words. I always love checking in with you, and you have such a great way of looking at the world. I don't have a problem with watching kids in China, you know, listening to hip-hop from America. I do have a problem with them being racist. (laughs) And lastly, thanks to Chris Henriksen for being an amazing guide and spiritual teacher. He's currently working on a spiritual memoir called Burners, which I could not be more excited to read. It puts my adventures in the healing zone to shame. The message to me was like, don't ever think just because you've written a few poems about this that you've you've really done your best to reconcile your ancestors and all this stuff doesn't mean that like you should not always be mindful. And again, thanks to you for sticking with this. I know I don't put these out as often as I should. If you enjoy this, as always, rate, share, like, and I'll see you next time. My name is Nancy Howard, and this is my number one. Somebody was going, ee, yeah, yeah, ee, yeah. Ee, <laughs> ee, and I wanted yeah. to go, me, <laughs> ee. That was ee. And then there were some people going, ooh. At one point, I thought there was a dog right next to me because yeah, I heard this yeah. like, ooh, ooh. And I was like, oh. Yeah, there's an animal spirits coming through people, and then there's these uh, little <laughs> thunder beings. <laughs>